0: Hi again, everyone, and it's another Monday night. That means it's time for the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Glad to have you along this evening. I am Dave Mitchell, and we're going to sit back and talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds, and alongside my resident Reds expert and co-host, Mark Donahue. Mark, good evening. How are you?
1: Well, Dave, I'm in a a state of depression that I'm not sure I'll be able to escape.
0: Well, why?
1: (laughs) Well, because Walt Jockety won't pull the trigger on a deal, and this team is, as I hate to remind myself, when I picked them third this year, uh, it was because their offense, and what I witnessed over the weekend in Los Angeles was a team that has absolutely no chance to advance in the playoffs, even if they make the playoffs, which is, is doubtful. This team can be stopped by... Certainly, good pitching will stop it, but even mediocre pitching will stop it, and I mean stop it cold. And the Reds just don't have, uh, you know, Dave. Aside from the statistics that, that bear out what I'm saying, uh, this team isn't nearly. You asked me the other day, or last week, I think, which team would I rather watch on a Saturday afternoon ball game? I'd much rather watch the Indians. The Indians are exciting. They play with some energy. They're a young team, and the Reds seem like a bunch of old guys, even though they're not. And it is I, this weekend against the Dodgers, it was the most boring weekend of baseball I can remember in, in 10 or 15 years with this team. And, and then I saw what the Indians did, and I found myself jumping around to watch the Indians play because they're a lot more fun to watch.
0: Well, it certainly was an interesting weekend for both the Reds and the Indians, and don't forget, and, and, and Mark, you're not the only one saying this. When we get to our Ask Us segment in the second half hour, it is almost bash the Reds night by just the sheer number of complaints that are going on about the Reds right now. We we virtually have nothing on the Indians this evening for our segment, and that will be coming up in the second half hour, and you could still get your questions or comments in about the Reds or the Indians to our ask us at ultimate talk dot com email or D at Ultimate Sports Talk or you can send us a tweet at OHBB co host. Mark, I guess the best thing that we could talk about is is that the Indians had a great weekend. The Reds had a bad weekend, but still the Reds and the Indians are in the same place that they were before the weekend began because the Tigers won and the Cardinals couldn't capitalize on the Reds losing to the Dodgers as they were swept by the Braves.
1: Yeah, the Reds got lucky to the extent that they, they didn't lose any ground. But that's, you know, at this stage of the year, this is the time you need to gain ground when you're five games back and the number one team in the league loses, they get swept, and you don't, you don't pick up any ground. Uh, it, it was a tough weekend. But, you know, there are losses and there are losses. You know, you play, the Reds got great pitching, and it's so depressing that someone who's not, I don't hold myself out to be a a front office expert, but you don't need to be a front office expert to look at this team in spring training, and then after four months of the year, this team can't hit. And there are so many holes in the lineup, so many easy outs to be made. And the fact this team has not gone out and got a bat is is astounding to me. This team with any kind of offensive performance from any one of, of seven or eight players, or not even nine players, they would be in first place comfortably. But the Reds have not made any moves. I have no idea why. It's not like they're not drawing and making money. They are. And yet, the team hasn't done a darn thing, and uh, as i said the thing that irritates me more than anything is how boring this team is certainly we the, the most obvious comparison is the indians because we talk about them all the time but the indians are an exciting ball club and the reds aren't
0: well another thing another thing we're going to talk about later on tonight mark we're, we're going to get into the trade details but another thing we're going to get into is pete rose is back into the news And he did a couple of interviews last week with Colin Coward of ESPN and Dan Patrick on the Dan Patrick Show. And a lot of the media are coming out and really lambasting him. And I want to get into that. Not so much the biogenesis um, controversy, but the things that Pete Rose had to say. And I think people are going to find them very enlightening. But there is a big trade that was rumored around Cleveland this morning, Mark, that that you and I discussed, and I think it's an interesting deal, and one that I think that if it is indeed a rumored deal, the more I thought about it, Mark, the more I think I would pull the pull the trigger on this deal. Giancarlo Stanton, which has been he's been rumored to be going to the Reds for a couple of weeks, and and even anywhere else out of Miami. Now there's a rumor coming out of Cleveland that he could be dealt to the Indians for Francisco Lindor, Danny Salazar, the right-handed pitcher. And Drew Stubbs would then go to Miami for Stanton. I think that's a deal mark that could really be a division changer and a big deal for the Indians because it would give them their right fielder and cleanup hitter to put right in the middle of that lineup and could really catapult them to winning this division.
1: Oh, I agree 100 percent, I, and I think we've talked about this before. There are certain years when you have a chance to win. And you have to go for it. There's no excuse. I think the worst thing a GM can do is to be passive. And when they have a chance to win, no one's going to hold it against them if they go out and try to win. But I remember several years ago, I think it was five or six years ago, sometime in July the White Sox were only three and a half games out of first place. In fact, it could have been as as late as August. I mean, They were in it. And they ended up trading you know, almost their entire team because they, the GM just gave up. And the fans never forgave him for that because they had a chance to win it. The Indians have a chance this year, and Lindor is a great player, uh, and you don't want to give him up. But G. Stanton is a, is a guy that arguably, he's already a great player. Lindor could be a great player. Stanton's there. And if the Indians get him and they don't win... Okay, you still have a guy who's 23 years old, and he's under contract, I think, for two more years. And then, you, you know, you decide if you want to trade him or not after that. But uh, the Indians have a chance to win with that, with that pitching, and uh, I would hope the front office goes out there and, and swings a deal to put that team over the top.
0: Well, like I said, I think it's a deal that, if it is the deal that is being rumored, I think that's an outstanding deal for both clubs. I mean, first of all, you're sending Miami an outfielder in Drew Stubbs, who I think has played some good baseball this year. Outstanding? No. Good baseball? Yes. He, he's been an upgrade over what the Indians had a year ago. Francisco Lindor would give them their shortstop of the future if his potential pans out. And Danny Salazar has already come up to the major leagues this year and has thrown a complete, or I should say an eight-inning, ball game for the Indians and won that ball game and was outstanding in it. I think they would be giving up a lot of talent, Mark, but they're going to be getting a a major contributor to the ball club this year and someone that they're going to have a hold of not only this year and next year, but the year after that, and then they can re-sign him because the deals for Bourne and Swisher will be out. So they would be able to sign him to a long-term contract. I think it's a deal that if it is true, they've got to make it.
1: Yeah, I I do too. And there's there's no it's not a money issue cuz of the of the way the contracts are uh structured. But what what would the Indians want from the Reds for Lindor?
0: Well, I think you'd probably start with uh Singrani and move from there. I don't think they'd want Hamilton. Um at least at least I wouldn't. I, I'd be looking at probably starting with Singrani and moving on from there. I don't think there's anybody that the Reds have right now other than – I mean, Brandon Phillips, they would have to put a third base. But he left such a bad taste in the Indians' mouths when they let him go the first time when Eric Wedge was the manager. I don't really think they'd want him back. Joey Votto, certainly they would take. I mean, there's no doubt there. Or Jay Bruce, and they would be plugged right into that fourth spot. So I think if they were going to – You know, for Lindor, I mean I'm I'm looking at it realistically. I would say we'd have to start at Singrani, maybe even leak, either or and move down from there.
1: What about a trade if Lindor's that good, is he that good now or is this all in the come?
0: No, he's that good now. They've moved him up. He hit three fifteen in Carolina in the single A league and he's moved up to Akron. And he's got something like a 14 or 15 game hitting streak. He's batting over three fifty down there. Uh, he's really playing some outstanding baseball at AA Akron. He'll be moved up to AAA next year.
1: Well, the Reds need a shortstop, and you guys got two of them. And I was just wondering if there was a, something that made sense, uh, if it's not Lindor, Cabrera coming to Cincinnati for something. And I'm not sure what it is, but uh, you know we talked about before Ludwig and and the Reds could put together a good package, uh, for, for a shortstop. And the irony is, of course, they, they gave up, obviously, the better shortstop, DD Gregorius, in that, in that trade. But, um, you know, I, I don't know what the Reds are going to do. They, uh, they have, let me throw some numbers at you, Dave. It's, it's pretty amazing that they have Derek Robinson sitting 265. He has three doubles, no home runs, and seven RBIs. He's had 150 at bats. Uh, Devin Mesaraco is hitting 256. Todd Frazier, 248. Xavier Paul, 243. Kozart, 237. Heisey, 218. Hanahan, 216. Please take him back. Hannigan, 193. Is Tourist, 202. Now, that's nine players off <coughs> their roster. I think they have 13 pitchers, so that's 9 of 12 players I just mentioned. That's their team. Now, that is unbelievably bad production for a major league roster. That basically leaves Jay Bruce, uh, let me see, Joey Votto, and who else? Who am I forgetting in the lineup?
2: Brandon Phillips.
1: Brandon Phillips, of course, Brandon Phillips. And those three have been carrying the team all year. And you you mean to tell me a general manager can't look up these numbers like I just did? And Jay Bruce, you know, for all his production, has 128 strikeouts. So I I don't know where anybody could be surprised that this team scored two runs in the last 30-some innings in Los Angeles. And they, more times than not, are simply overpowered by average or a little above average pitching. And why in the hell won't the general manager do something before they are five games out? And I'm telling you, if if they lose two of three or three of three against San Diego, and then they're swept by the Cardinals when they come home, and then they got Oakland right after the Cardinals. I mean, they've got eight games coming up, and they could be blown out of this thing. In the next couple in the, in the next couple of weeks, it could be all over for them, and there's yeah, nobody they, to but the front office.
0: They, they really could, Mark, because right now they're six and five on this 19 game trek. Like you said, with the Pirates, the Giants, the Dodgers, the Padres, the Cardinals, and the A's, and they're six and five. They're in San Diego tonight to start a three game set, but they really blew. Primo opportunity this weekend against the Dodgers with the Cardinals losing those three straight against the Braves.
1: Yeah, the Reds just didn't score any runs, and uh, you know it, it was. You know how sometimes you get frustrated your your team has 17 guys left on base or something, and you, you want to pull your hair out. These guys didn't even sniff a run, and they didn't hit the ball hard. The hits they got, there was a couple bloopers out there that, that fell in. And it's just it's so frustrating to see this kind of pitching go to waste. And you mentioned Grani in a possible deal. I tell you Singrai, he, he looked he looked overpowering. He, for a kid like that to come in and, and, and do what he has done so far this year, I see no way or actually no reason why the Reds should sign Arroyo next year in a 12 or 15 million dollar contract for three years. It makes no sense. When you have Singrani, uh, who is pitching as well as he is. So, it, it, again, it's, it's frustration. Uh, it, it's, it's boredom watching this team play. And I think the only way the fans let him know is don't show up. And uh, this is the one I put. This is not Dusty Baker's fault. This is strictly uh, the front office fault. And, and, and Jockety simply has not done anything. And then he has the guts to say, well, I don't think we need anything because we're getting all these players back. You're getting one hitter back, Ludwig. He has not seen Major League Pitching since April 1st. Do you really believe he's going to step into the number four position and produce? It, it makes no sense for a team in the pennant race, and I wish the fans you know, had some kind of outlet. I mean, if everybody had a radio show like I do, things maybe would be better, <laughs> but I have a chance to vent. But uh, th- this is the most frustrated I've been with this team. You know, you know, I've done this for four years now. And this is the most frustrated I've, I've been because this team has a chance to win. And the print office is doing nothing.
0: Well, you know, not, not often do we talk prior to the show, Mark, and, and talk about what we're going to discuss on the show. We did this morning a little bit. And one of the things that I posed to you is just a tweet that we just got from Sentai88Gus or Sensi88Gus, one or the other. Anyway, he says, and I posed this to you this morning, you know, the Reds are not playing very good baseball. The Cardinals are playing great baseball. But yet the Reds are still only five games out. This thing is right there in front of them. It's like a carrot dangled on the end of a string. It's right there for them to take. And for Jockety to sit back and just say that Ryan Ludwig is going to be the difference between the Reds being the last wild card and winning this division, is nuts.
1: Yeah, it is nuts. And uh, it's not fair to Ludwig because, you know, the guy hasn't played all year. He's had one at bat. And you expect him to come in and hit number four and pick up this team and, and carry him on the back on his back. Uh, the, the likelihood of that happening is, is very remote. And people forget the first half of last year, Ludwig, up until May, hit 191. And that's when he had a full spring training and, and all that. He had a great second half, but, you know, he, he did not perform well out of the gate. But it's more than that. I mean, you, you look at the statistics on these players, and, and the two people that really have, have done, or three, I guess, that have hurt this team the most are Todd Frazier, uh, Zach Cozard, and Heise. And you could throw Hannigan in there, too. H-Hannigan, Hannigan, the catcher. Uh, the four of them, Hannigan, 193, Heisey, 218, Kozar 237, and Fraser 248. But Fraser only has 10 home runs, and he, I think he had five in the first two weeks. So he's doing nothing offensively. He's playing good third base. But I would replace him on the bench and, and, and in place of Heisey and then get, get somebody like uh, the the Young in from uh, Philadelphia or uh, another third baseman that can actually hit 275 or 280, and they need a shortstop. Now, I I wouldn't bench Cozart, you know, every every game, but he should be in the role as is in. As is hitting 202, he doesn't have an extra, he has two extra base hits and seven RBIs for the year. So when you have a weak bench like that, and, and your friend, Hanahan, uh, <laughs> no home runs, nine RBIs, he's hitting .216. He hasn't done anything. So the Reds have to improve more than just one or two positions, and Ludwig is not going to be the answer.
0: Yeah, and and Ludwig was really never going to be the answer, even if he played the entire year, Mark, because he doesn't, as far as I'm concerned, he's a he's a bit player. That's why I was so against the Indians ever picking him up, It wasn't so bad that he was with them years ago. But I just wasn't in favor of them even regaining him. And I was rather shocked when Jockety went back out and signed him again. You know, there were three trades today, Mark. One, Detroit. They may have gotten their closer. Jose Veras went from Houston to Detroit. He had 19 saves for Houston. That's a big deal for Detroit, even though it got very little publicity. Jesse Crane went from the White Sox today to Tampa Bay. And Scott Downs, the left-handed pitcher from the Angels, he ended up going to Atlanta today. The trade deadline is at 4 o'clock Wednesday afternoon, so there's still time to do something. But I've been keeping an eye out on that Michael Young deal with Philadelphia. And I kind of kept a close eye on the Detroit-Philadelphia series this weekend, Mark, where Detroit just really swept and and tore Philadelphia apart over the weekend. If the Phillies think they've got a shot at making the playoffs, Ruben Amaro Jr. really needs to have his head examined because that team is not a playoff team. They need to be in sell mode right now.
3: Yeah,
1: I think you're right. And uh, Michael Young would fill a lot of uh, holes for the Reds. He could play short or third or both. And that would then, if you put him in third, it frees up Frazier to have the role Heisey has, and, and you increase your uh, production on your team top to bottom. Uh, you know, we talk about the deals made and not made. Uh, the Reds signed Hanahan to a two-year deal. <laughs> so they've got him coming back next year. And uh, w- when you have those kinds of holes on your bench with Asturis and Hanahan, and the Reds had that last year. They had a horrible bench. They had no depth at all. And it's unfortunate because uh, I think up. up I'm looking at the Cleveland roster, and they've got a lot of good young talent. But the thing I like about them, they've got some stuff coming off the bench. They've got some pop. They've got some speed, and they got some people who can steal bases. And that's why I like that roster better than the Reds. I, I still think the Reds may have a you know a a better all-round team because of the depth of the pitching. But offensively, I think Cleveland's a much better team than the Reds right now.
0: Mark, we've got so much going on with our Ask Us segment. I want to slip into this Pete Rose thing real quick before we go to the break. And before we do that, if you've got any other comments that you want to give us uh, here at uh, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show, feel free to tweet them into us at Sports U L T Talk. That's at Alt Sports Talk. So tweet them into us, then we'll get to them in the second half hour. You know, Pete Rose was on Colin Coward, uh, the ESPN radio show that's on every day from ten until one on the ESPN affiliates, and he had some interesting comments. I thought, Mark, and I want to play just a couple of them right now, and then get into this Jeff Passan thing with Yahoo Sports. But let's listen to what Pete had to say about the possibility of helping out major league baseball with this biogenesis and steroid situation.
4: If I could uh, say something about
2: Braun or anybody
4: else, uh, uh I wish they would take note from what I did and, and and come clean as quickly as you can. Don't lie if you did something, okay? I I, I kind of wish that I could I could go around to all the uh the minor league camps during spring training and and talk to these guys and and, and tell them what not to do and just look at what happened to me. And, and, and go from there. I, I think I could get through to some of these guys who are thinking about taking steroids or thinking about doing this or thinking about doing that. And, you know, when you're 18, 19, 20 years old, it's very easy to be led down the wrong path. And, and I just think with my experience and, and, uh, it seems like we all think we can get away with something. And I, ju- I just think that, that, uh, if baseball gave me the opportunity, I think I could help the game. I think I could restore some some integrity to the game as, as far as what's going on in it right now.
0: Mark, when we had Johnny Bench on back in May, I asked him specifically about Pete and what it would take for him to finally get over this and get into the Hall of Fame. And the very first thing that Johnny said was he was going to have to perform a mea culpa to Major League Baseball. I think that was it.
1: You know, Dave, what irritates me uh, about the things I heard today on on what you sent me? What does he have to do? No matter what he does, the haters, they twist it around so it sounds as if he's doing something else. The guy is in his 70s now. He, He is paid dearly for what he did. He didn't kill anybody. He didn't use drugs. He didn't sell drugs. He bet on his own team. Stupid Pete. Pete knows it was stupid. Pete just said it was stupid. I shouldn't have done it. But worst of all, I shouldn't have lied about it. What else could he say? That Absolutely. Would
0: bring... and, and, and I don't mean to cut you off, Mark, but I, that brings me to this Jeff Patson from Yahoo Sports. Now, this is a two-minute cut. It starts off with Pete talking on the Dan Patrick show about the Biogenesis scandal, and then Jeff Passan, to me, proves what kind of agenda he has against Pete Rose. Just listen to this.
2: What's worse, PEDs or uh, betting on baseball?
4: They're both bad, but I think when you alter the statistics of baseball, that's pretty bad. That's a lot worse. When you do one that really uh, alters the game of baseball and the other that uh, hurts no one but your family and yourself, it's like, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just the night and day, I believe.
2: I'm Evan Doherty, joined on the phone by Yahoo Sports' Jeff Passon. Jeff, we just heard from Pete Rose there on the Dan Patrick Show. Seems like another ploy by Pete Rose to get Hall of Fame consideration, but what do you say? Which is worse, betting on baseball or using performance-enhancing drugs?
3: Well, Pete Rose is always going to try and get into the Hall of Fame by hook or by crook, and you know, for somebody who says he's remorseful, he's still signing autographs saying, Pete Rose, I bet on baseball, so that tells you uh, what Pete Rose is about, and that's himself. As far as the crux of his argument, though, uh, I still think it rings false. Well, I understand that both of them are uh, illegal under baseball's rules, and uh, thus should both be punished and penalized. The simple fact is, when you talk about betting on a game, you're talking about not just the integrity of the game itself, but of the possibilities that you open up to losing. And if Pete Rose can say all he wants, that he only bet on the Reds to win when he was betting, but... The fact is, uh, when you bet on games, that goes into the managerial calculus. That goes into your decision-making. That that has to be in the back of your mind somewhere or another the whole time. And while the betting rules are the worst-case scenario for baseball, you know, they want to make sure that another World Series doesn't get thrown, the simple fact is this is the one uh, overwhelming and overriding rule in baseball that you are taught early on. Do not bet on baseball. And. As bad as performance-enhancing drugs are perceived to be, betting is even worse.
2: And as you mentioned, he's clearly not ashamed of it, the fact that he bet on baseball. He's played this before, made the argument, hey, what I did isn't as bad as what these guys are doing now. From the guys that you talk to around baseball, is he really having any chance here of helping his Hall of Fame cause by saying this? No,
3: not really. And the funny thing is, you know, Pete Rose was around at the time when amphetamines were widely used in baseball, and You can make the argument scientifically that it means every bit is uh, performance-enhancing, if not more, than some of the performance-enhancing drugs that are taken by guys these days. And so uh, Pete Rose is about himself, always has been about himself, and will continue to be about himself. And if he weren't in the middle of this and embroiled in it and banned from baseball like he is, I have a feeling he wouldn't be making quite the same argument.
2: He's been waiting 23 years to get into the Hall of Fame, and according to you, Jeff, He'll be continuing to wait for a long, long time. We'll see if he does. Thanks a lot. This.
0: And that was Yahoo Sports. I want to thank them for the courtesy of allowing us to to air that. Mark, I guess the first question I have on this is, is Jeff Passan saying that players like Bob Gibson, Sandy Koufax, Al Kaline, players of that ilk, do not belong in the Hall of Fame because they took amphetamines?
1: I don't think he knows what he's saying. Uh, he's, He's trying to read Pete's mind and insert his own bias into Pete's answer and twist it around. What more can Pete do other than say what he said, I screwed up, I shouldn't have done it, and I think I could help young players understand that whether you're dealing in PEDs or you're gambling or you're doing drugs, whatever you're doing, don't do it because you've got the world by the short hairs and you, you can learn from a guy like Pete Rose. But in, when you have these kinds of writers who make these statements because of their own bias, uh, you know, they twist it around and they don't give anybody a chance for redemption. And I, again, Pete never killed anybody. And what what more does he have to do? Does he have to wear a you know a hair suit and and beat himself? Uh, I think the guy's paid his debt to society, and uh, I think it would be a classy move by Major League Baseball uh, to to tip their hat to him in some way and say, okay, Pete, you, you've you've done your time, and now we want to embrace you into baseball. I, I don't know if he. Will ever get back into baseball? I think that's a long shot, but he certainly could be in the Hall of Fame. And I don't think the fans—if you polled the fans—I I bet you'd have 75 to 80 percent of the people out there who would vote to have Pete reinstated into the Hall of Fame or, or something that they that, that they've forgiven Pete. And these people who this holier than now approach to you know betting on your own team—stupid, yes, it was. But it was a long time ago, and let's move on.
0: And I agree with you, and we just got a tweet in from Billy at our Alt Sports Talk tweet that says, I will continue to boycott Major League Baseball until Pete Rose is reinstated. You cannot have a Hall of Fame without Rose in it. Too bad he bet on his team winning. He should have just cheated, and he would only have been fined. Which, you could make that argument, and Jeff Patson would have no argument against that, evidently.
1: Apparently not. Uh, Again, these guys who, uh, you know, pontificate from on high uh, about something like this, it really irritates me when you don't give, according to passing them, there's nothing Pete could say that would be redemptive in any way. And, you know, Pete you know, he, he's trying to do the best he can under the circumstances. And, yeah, he goes to these baseball shows and signs his name because it's the only way he can make a living. What is he supposed to do, starve? So they? So he lives up to whatever role passing or people like him think he should have? Uh, it, it's very well, irritating it, to me.
0: It, it is me, too, because beforehand, Mark, all the media kept saying, all the writers kept saying was, Pete has to admit he did it. That's all he's done. Since the book that he, ha- that he came out with, up until now, that's all he's done is admitted what he did. Matter of fact, further on in that Colin Coward interview, um, he says that Colin asked him the question, is it true that you were given by Bart Giamatti the option of a 10-year and a 7-year ban from baseball with immediate reinstatement, but you turned it down because Giamatti gave you his word that you could apply for reinstatement in one year after accepting the lifetime ban. And Pete said, yes, that is absolutely true, but Bart Giamatti died, Faye Vincent was upset, and no one ever let him back into baseball from then on out. And another thing that Jeff Patson said, Mark, which I found Rather weird was that they didn't want they did not want another World Series fixed. if anyone remembers that situation with the the white sox which the Black Sox scandal, that situation was adjudicated in a court of law that a lot of people don't understand, and those players were found not guilty. It was the commissioner of baseball that overturned that rule in the courts, he just ignored it and said, yes, they did throw the throw it, and then he banned them all from baseball, including Shoeless Joe Jackson. But they were adjudicated in a court of law and found not guilty. That's true. I,
1: not that I was there, but I remember that. And You know, one of the great quotes I remember, uh, I, I read a book about Babe Ruth, and Babe Ruth, his hero was Shoeless Joe Jackson. And he said, Jackson had the most perfect swing he'd ever seen. And he said he could never he could never emulate Jackson's swing. It was that beautiful. But he, he would have been a player who who would have really eclipsed Ty Cobb's 367 lifetime batting average. The guy was that great. And he was an uneducated young man out of the, uh, I forget where he was in the South, but uh, uneducated, uh, couldn't read or write, and he got duped. And it's unfortunate that those things happen. But uh, in Pete's case, uh, we all agree. And I'd be anxious to hear what the fans think out there, how many of them agree with us that that Pete's paid his due and it's time to move on.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I want to bring up for the question for next week. I want the fans to write into us next week for our Ask Us segment and tell us which is worse, Pete Rose gambling on baseball, the biogenesis situation. Should Pete be in the hall or don't you really care about any of the above? That's what we'd like to hear for our Ask Us segment next week. And we're going to have our Ask Us segment for this week. And it's mainly all about the Reds. And we're going to do that right after this timeout.
4: Here's Dylan Michael with two on and two out. Here's the pitch. Michael swings. And there's a drive to deep left field. And that ball is gone. A three-run home run by Dylan Michael with a shot. Michael now takes lead lead in home run. Last year's Rookie of the Year is having an even better year this season. Last at Bat, a novel by Mark Donahue. Available at Joseph A. Beth, Barnes and Noble, and Books and Company.
0: And you can also get Mark's book, Last at Bat, here at Ultimate Just go to the right side of the webpage and go ahead and order your copy. Well, it's time for our Ask Us segment on this week's Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. This is where you ask us about the Reds and the Indians, and this week it's primarily the Reds. You can send us in your questions to ask us at ultimatesportstalk.com or tweet them in to at alt sports talk. Let's move right into it, Mark, and here's JJ saying, I'm not a baseball expert, but can you help explain to me how we should support a player in Jay Bruce who is a career 250 hitter, and his only attribute is that he hits home runs and strikes out a lot? Does he really win you more games being in the lineup than not?
1: Yes, he does. I think with Jay Bruce, it's an issue of managing expectations. He's actually hitting about 275 this year. And people forget that Jay Bruce is only 25 years old. He's, this is his sixth year with the Reds. And uh, he's he does strike out a lot, but if with his ability to hit – for power. He'll probably hit 35 to 38 home runs this year. He'll probably drive in 105 to 110 runs. He's got, he has got He's a great right fielder. He's got a great arm. But he is never going to be the player I think everybody envisioned when you heard about him coming up. And if you recall, his first two or three weeks in the big leagues, he was hitting like 500. He was like Yashio Puig. Uh, he had that kind of start. He didn't quickly uh, cooled down. But everybody thought he was going to hit 330, hit 50 home runs, and drive in 125 runs. That's not Jay Bruce. He doesn't have that kind of talent yet. But again, he's only 25 years old, so I I think he is on track to. I believe he's the only player, if I recall, to to hit more home runs his previous year than his previous year in five or six consecutive years, and also increase the number of RBIs. He had 99 last year. So for for the fans out there who can't appreciate what he does, put it into context. He, he's a very, very good player, and Jay Bruce is not the problem on this team. The problem has been you haven't had anybody hitting in front or behind Jay Bruce this year. That, that protected him. And uh, so I would say Jay Bruce, if I had eight Jay Bruces, we'd be ten games ahead.
0: Well, another thing J.J. says in this question, Mark, is – He compares Jay Bruce to being a glorified Adam Dunn. I don't think I agree with that, but I can see where he's coming from with that kind of uh, comparison.
1: Well, it's an unfair comparison because Adam Dunn, number one, had no defensive skills at all. Jay Bruce is a way above average outfielder. He's a very, very good outfielder. He's got a great arm. He's got good speed. None of which uh, Adam Dunn had. Adam Dunn struck out a lot more times than Jay Bruce does, and he was a one-dimensional player. Uh, Jay Bruce is is multi-dimensional. Uh, it, just every category, maybe except raw power, he, he's better than Adam Dunn. Not even not even close. Not in the same league. So he, he's not a glorified Adam Dunn, and Jay Bruce would be a much better player with better offensive players around him, and that's that's the weakness. Uh, of this roster right now, and that is what I'm, I'm holding uh, Walt Jockety uh, accountable for because he doesn't protect Joey Votto or Jay Bruce. Joey Votto is hitting 319. He's got 16 home runs, and he's only got 47 RBIs. 47 RBIs. Brandon Phillips has 81. So you, you have to, when, when you criticize the player, Criticize them for what they are not doing, predicated on their ability level and their contribution to the team. If if the Reds had some uh, one or two other hitters, Jay Bruce would see a lot more pitches to hit. And but you can't fault him. The, the, right now, the only is in his only weakness in his game, only one, is he strikes out too much. His batting average is up to two seventy five. That's up over I think he was two fifty last year, close to it. And he's improving in that area. But every other area, he's he's a he's an outstanding ball player. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't pick on Jay Bruce. He's not the problem. We we have we have a lot more problems than Jay Bruce.
0: Here's another question from Lonnie, which I thought was very interesting and I had to Google it just to see what the answer was. Maybe you can name it, Mark. Can anyone name the last time the Cincinnati Reds had a Cy Young award-winning pitcher?
1: Hmm. Let me see. Well, Danny Jackson finished second in nineteen ninety. Was eighty-nine? Uh, I don't think they had anybody after that. Um, was it Don Gullett?
0: You're not going to believe this. It was in 1939. Bucky Walters. Okay, now
1: that honest was to God, the last
0: time a Cincinnati Red won the Cy Young Award.
1: Yeah, before Gullet, I was thinking back to the, either the 39 or 40 team because uh, before Gullet in '75 and '76 there was nobody even you know remotely close to winning a Cy Young. And what my question to myself was, did they actually have the Cy Young Award that far back? But I was going to say. Paul Derringer or Bucky Waters,
4: uh,
1: you know, if if it went back that far.
0: Well, in total, there have been 18 seasons by 12 Reds pitchers that finished in the top five of the Cy Young Award voting, but no winners since 1939. Tom Seaver was in the top five three times. Mario Soto and Jose Rijo two times each. In addition to the two second-place finishes mentioned above, there's been just one other, that was Pete Shurek, who finished way behind Greg Maddox in 1995.
1: Yeah, Pete Shurik had had a great year in '95, and then he fell off the planet. But uh, people forget Danny Jackson would have won. Was it 89, I think, that year? Uh, But that's the year Oral Hersheiser set the record for the most shutout innings, and that, that put him over the top, even though Danny Jackson had a better record.
0: Yeah, here's, here's another one from Braves fan 901 that just came in on the Twitter account. He wants to ask you the question, when you mentioned the fact that Pete Rose didn't kill a guy, when did that become an argument for a player to be in the Hall of Fame?
1: Well, it's, the inconsistency about the Hall of Fame is that there are people in the Hall of Fame that have been accused of and even done things worse than Pete Rose has done.
2: Since
1: Ty Cobb. people Ty Cobb, uh, Tris Speaker, uh, they were both accused of throwing games, actually betting on their team to lose, and uh, you know it, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that baseball turned the other eye because they didn't want another Black Sox scandal. I mean that's that's in every book you read, that's what's told. And since that time, you have people who have clearly done things. Uh, with drugs and uh, and other things that they should not have done that you could argue are uh, as bad or worse than what Pete did. And uh, people have gone to jail. Uh, people have done things they shouldn't have done. Uh, I was being facetious about killing somebody. But let, let's take that argument. Let's take that argument. Let's say that somebody in the Hall of Fame did kill somebody. Does that mean they didn't Earn their Hall of Fame stripes on the field, or is it because we're punishing punishing them for things outside of baseball? And if you get into that, if you start measuring the morality of people as a criteria for the Hall of Fame, you you've, you've completely lost a lot of baseball fans. So you know it is it is preposterous. Yeah, he didn't kill anybody, but what what if he had? What if what if Greg Maddux had killed somebody? <laughs> what if Willie Mays had killed somebody or Hank Aaron? Should they be in the Hall of Fame?
0: Well, you know it 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 depends on. Well, I even hate to say it this way, but you know with Pete, it was after his playing days. His man, it happened. This whole thing happened when he was managing. It had nothing to do with his playing, and that is why he's going into the Hall of Fame, not because of his managing but because of his playing career.
1: Yes, but my question wasn't answered. Are we going to be judging people, baseball players, for their behavior outside of baseball? What if they beat their wives? What if they did drugs after baseball? What if they do any number of things they shouldn't be doing? And we make the judgment, whoever we are, okay, well, they were a great baseball player, but because they did that, act. We're going to kick him out of the Hall of Fame. Is is that what people want? Or do you want the best baseball players in the world and you could have a plaque next to Pete Rose's name saying Pete Rose, he bet on baseball and he lied about it. He also got 4200 hits. <laughs> you know, he was the greatest hitter of all time. He did a lot of bad things. What is wrong with having that kind of explanation about the total man. He was a great, he was the greatest, he was the most prolific hitter. He wasn't the greatest hitter, the most prolific hitter in the history of baseball. And to have him not in the Hall of Fame diminishes the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. But when do we stop judging these people on a morality basis outside of baseball? Because if you start doing that, (laughs) I've played with a lot of guys in baseball that you wouldn't want to have marry your son or or your your daughter, I can tell you that because they're bad guys, but they were great baseball players, so it's just a matter of how far do we take this?
0: I agree, but the you know the one thing that I do want to bring up is the gambling influence has been most prevalent in this country with the game of football. Would you agree yes, okay that being said. Paul Horning was suspended one year for gambling back in the early sixties one year, and he was a player and he bet on football games. he was a gambler and he was suspended one year. What is the the justification for Paul Horning being suspended one year as opposed to Pete Rose being banned for a lifetime? other than the point that Paul Horning was making the NFL money on the field rather than off it.
1: i tell you the difference here. It's Bud Selig. Uh Bud Sealing has a vendetta against Pete, and uh, in, until he's gone, uh, people have no chance to get in. That's, that's the, the long and short of it. Even the, the players that were against Pete 10 years ago have come around. Mike Schmidt, Johnny Bench, others have said, you know, enough's enough. Uh, let the guy in. So uh, you know we're beating a dead horse here because we're not going to be able to control anything. But I, I want to revisit. Um, I forget who asked about the, the Reds and and their the rest of the season. But I, I have a proposal. I'd like to have Reds fans uh, think of these numbers: D as in dog, S W, D S W. I think we ought to should all uh, overrun the Reds front office with those three letters, and they stand for do something, Walt, do something <laughs> with, with this organization, because right now, you have a chance to win, and you're, you are you go on TV yesterday and say, yeah, things are going pretty good, we really don't need to add anything to our roster. Well, I, I disagree.
0: I Yeah. Here's Calvert. Calbert says, this week you guys, or last week I should say, you guys mentioned Araldus Chapman being better than Perez. I totally agree. But I think you guys don't emphasize how little value a closer really has on a Major League Baseball team. He is highly touted but should be traded immediately because the Reds could win the series this year but have critical pieces missing. Mark, do you think Aroldis Chapman being traded could bring enough pieces back to the Reds that they could offset the loss of him?
1: Yes, I do, but you're you're thinking of him in the context of a reliever, and uh, I'm sorry, was this Colin who said this? Calvert. Calvert. Calvert, I, I think you're right. I agree with you that the that the relief, the closer role is way, way overrated, but a role as Chapman is... Has an opportunity to become a number one starter in any rotation. So if you trade him with the idea he's a closer, he is going to bring you less value from the other team because they're going to agree with you and me that he, you know, a closer doesn't add that much value. But if the Reds had put him in the rotation, uh, he, this is a guy who pitched, what, four or five years in Cuba as a starter, starting at 16 or 17 years old. He can start. And imagine a rotation next year with what they have this year and you add, uh, you add Chapman to it. I mean, that, that is a, a devastating starting rotation if Cueto comes back healthy. So I would consider maybe trading Homer Bailey. Uh, I would be trading, uh, I'm not sure I would trade anybody else but Bailey out of that rotation. But you can get a lot for Homer Bailey. And I would much rather have Chapman as a starter than Bailey. I think Bailey's just too inconsistent. And you could get a lot for a Homer Bailey as a starter, more than you could get from Chapman as a closer right now.
0: Well, the one thing that I did say about Chapman going to Miami, Mark, was the fact that he would be a rock star. You were right there. He'd be a rock star down in Miami, even if you made him a uh, a starter. But, hey, this leads in. What just happened in the Indians game leads into our next question on our Ask Us segment Jason Giambi in a 2-2 ball game in the bottom of the ninth came up and just clubbed a home run to deep center field to win the ball game in walk-off fashion for the Indians, 3-2 over the White Sox. And Markey went into home plate standing. Huig yesterday (laughs) went into home plate sliding. Will there be any repercussions the next time the Reds and the Dodgers meet up?
1: I don't think so. I mean, the guy is a young kid. What's he, 21 years old? Uh, he's having an unbelievable year. He just won a ball game. Give him a break. You know, it's it's youthful exuberance, and uh, I, I don't think anybody's going to hold a grudge for that. It's He wasn't really showing anybody up. Uh, in fact, you could argue that, you know, the the guy who was it Morales who broke his leg a couple of years ago, jumping on home plate, uh, I think that stuff's overrated. So I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think there will be any repercussions.
0: Well, the Reds now have won, or I should say, I'm sorry, the Indians now have won uh, four in a row over Texas and the Chicago White Sox. So it is a pretty good streak right now that the Indians are on. We're getting lots of comments, Mark, on our Facebook page saying that Chapman will never be a quality starter. What do you think about that?
1: I don't think you know until you give him a chance. <clears throat> I mean, I think he he has developed a slider this year, uh, which is much better than the one he had last year. And if he goes into the starting rotation uh, and he develops that slider, he can be devastating. He, he can be Randy Johnson. Now, can he throw 99, 100, 102 miles an hour as a starter into the fifth inning? No, he can't. But that doesn't make him uh, – it's not going to deter him from being a great pitcher. He could be an outstanding pitcher. My question with him is that we don't know about durability. We've never, uh, the only time he has had arm trouble, though, is when he's pitched four or five days in a row out of the bullpen. Now, how does that translate into him being a starter? We don't know. And I think that's a mistake the Reds have made, although they did sign Broxton this year with the idea he was going to be a a closer. And I, I Can't imagine why they'd give Broxton $7 million a year for three years and then not close him. That is a mystery to me. Uh, But I think the the jury is still out on him as a a starter, but I, I would bet he would be a very effective starter.
0: Well, now we've got a bunch of tweets here. Mark, that I'm... Let's just do this in rapid-fire session, because we only got about seven or eight minutes left to go on the show. So I'm just going to read this tweet to you, and you give a short answer to these, because they are all about the Reds. Okay. come back to Cincy says, I really miss Stubbs.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, compared to what we have, I miss Stubbs, too. Uh, The Reds didn't pick up anything uh, in the outfield this year that would have helped them, and Stubbs would have been Uh, a huge addition, a huge improvement over what they have. So I'd love to get Stubbs back, but uh, I don't see that happening.
0: Okay. Who has a better first baseman right now than the Reds do in Joey Votto?
1: Uh, Adrian Gonzalez, I think, defensively is as good or better. Uh, Offensively, Joey Votto is, is middle of the pack because he's not driving in runs. So he is not even close to being an MVP candidate. Uh, I'm not sure who I would pick over him long-term. Uh, you know, Joey Votto is going to hit for average. So uh, I'm perfectly content with Joey Votto. I just wish the Reds would get him some protection.
0: I'm paraphrasing this next one because I cannot read it the way it was actually sent in. These <laughs> Reds really stink.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know who wrote that, but uh, I tend to agree. It's not that they stink; it's they're, they are operating well below their capabilities. But the capabilities are being hampered by the front office. And when you when you have such a weak bench and you have no speed, no speed at all on this team, it's very unexciting. Uh, they just don't try to generate runs and uh you know this team if they make the playoffs they're going to get knocked out in the first round no matter who they play
0: is it too late to trade shinsu chu back to cleveland
1: yes he's a free <laughs> and like you were he's, saying, a free ag- he's a free agent he's a free agent you were he's saying anyway
0: Mark, he's not the problem
1: he's not the problem he's hitting 290 He's got 14 home runs. He's driven a lot of runs for a leadoff guy. He's 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 got 12 stolen bases. He has an on-base percentage well over 400. I mean, what more do you want out of a guy? But he's going to be a free agent after this year, and I don't think the Reds are going to re-sign him.
0: Todd Frazier is awesome when he isn't playing like a minor leaguer.
1: Amen. Uh, Todd Frazier is what they call a 4A player. Uh, he is—he's uh, he, improved defensively, much better than I thought he is. Thought he was, uh, but he has so many holes in the swing that unless he undergoes some major brain surgery relative to his swing, uh, he's going to swing his way out of the league. The, the pitchers have fi- figured him out, and uh, he, he is not a threat at all offensively.
0: Two more. I would high five the guy that fires Dusty Baker.
1: Dusty Baker isn't the problem. Uh, Walt Jockety a problem. Dusty Baker is, uh, and, and honestly, managers are way, way overrated in terms of what their contribution to a team is. They're, they're all good. They're all smart. They all know baseball. And baseball is not that tough a game. Uh, Dusty Baker isn't a problem.
0: Final one, and I happen to like this one. This one was why I kept it as last. My best friend told me a joke last night. The Reds traded D.D. Gregorius and kept Cozart. Oh, wait, it happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't know the other side of that. Uh, what did Arizona insist on? Would, would they have taken Cozart if the Reds had offered him instead of Gregorius? From a athletic pr- perspective, no question. D.D. Gregorius is is ten times the athlete that uh, that, that Cozart is. Uh, but the Reds, at one time, they had three great shortstops. They had Billy Hamilton. They had D.D. Gregorius. They had Zach Cozart. And it looks like they chose the wrong one.
0: Well, there's one more that just came in. Joke of the night. Take Cozart, Heisey, Frazier, and his tourists. No, seriously, please take them. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, but what will we get for them?
0: Uh, a Clark
1: Bar and a Coke.
0: You know, that's what, what you're going to get for those guys. I don't know who's got... Honestly, Mark, I've got to think about this and think really hard. I don't know who's got a worse bench. Last year's Indians team or this year's Reds team?
1: Well, the Reds last year were in the running, too. It was a terrible bench last year, but uh, they've got no production at all. And uh, that, that hurts you, you know, down, not only when you have injuries, but down the, the stretch when you're trying to give guys rests. But the Reds are just helpless offensively, and uh, that's the problem. Uh, it's not the defensive part. They have guys who, yesterday, Robinson came up and struck out three times, and with the winning run at third base, one out, he hits a little bouncer toward the uh, third baseman, and Mesoraco's out at home. Uh, that wasn't Devin's fault. That was Robinson's fault. If you can't make contact and drive the ball to the, the other side, you're doing something wrong. So he he's just part of the problem. But uh, don't forget, DSW, do something, Walt.
0: Okay, the trade deadline is Wednesday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't see the Indians making the Giancarlo Stanton deal. I just don't see it happening. I think it's too big a splash. I do see them, another trade that was rumored is they would trade Carlos Carrasco, who's in Columbus right now, to Colorado for a left-handed reliever, Josh Altman. Um, I think they'll probably make that deal. It'll probably be done tomorrow or early Wednesday. Mark, do you think the Reds will do anything?
1: I'm a fan of Walt Drockety. Uh I hope they do something, because if they don't, it's as if he doesn't care. This team can be improved. The question is, is he going to do it?
0: Do you think he will?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt until he doesn't. But I think he's too smart of a guy not to do something. But, uh, Walt, if you don't make a deal, I'm afraid I'm going to come after your job.
0: This weekend, I'm going to put you on the spot one more time, Mark, before we sign off. This weekend, when St. Louis comes to town, will Michael Young be the third baseman for the Reds?
1: Uh, No, I don't think he will. I think you might have a John Sherholtz from Chicago on the roster. Uh, You might have another shortstop uh, that they're going to go out and get. I don't know who it's going to be, but uh, Oakland's got a couple guys that, and the Reds have some relief pitchers that they could throw back at, at somebody. Uh, you know, they have some guys who are throwing the ball pretty well, so you know they have some. They have some tools. It's just a matter of how do they deploy them.
0: Okay, that's going to do it for this week. What do the Reds have coming up?
1: Well, they got a lot coming up. They got San Diego tonight and tomorrow night. Uh, and uh, Wednesday night. And then they come home for a three-game series against the Cardinals, and then two games with Oakland. So they after they better win two of three against San Diego because they could have a tough time the next five games.
0: And, you know, real quick, we didn't even bring this up tonight. Pittsburgh and St. Louis are playing a five-game series in Pittsburgh, and I think Pittsburgh won the first game tonight.
1: Oh, yeah, good. Well... <laughs> The Reds, again, the door is open. All they have to do is walk in it.
0: That's right. The Indians schedule right now, they've got the White Sox after tonight. They play them the next three days, a Thursday afternoon special. Then they go to Miami for a Friday, Saturday, Sunday affair. And then next week, Mark, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, welcome to the Detroit Tigers. So it should be a very interesting week. Trade deadline's Wednesday. We'll see what happens next Monday night, okay?
1: All right, David. Have a good one.
0: You too. Don't forget our ultimate sports Talk show coming up this Thursday night at seven p m here at UltimateSportsTalk.com. dot com We'll be talking about the big twelve and also what happened at the trade deadline for Major League Baseball on Wednesday For Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Thanks to everyone who sent in their tweets, talked on to us on Facebook and also at ask us at talk dot com Don't forget our uh, survey for next week. We want to know do you think? Gambling on baseball, steroids, do you just don't care, and do you think Pete Rose has paid enough should he be in the Hall of Fame? Send that in for next Monday night's show, and we'll discuss it then. Right back here at the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show, next Monday night at 9 o'clock. Again, for Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Thanks a lot, everyone. Until next Monday night, good night.